Welcome to our weekly, and we mean weekly Wednesday night shir. As every week we dedicate the shir, the Nishmas, that is a shlamis, shalom. On a happier note, this week we get from Moshe Halevi participation, physically and on the table as well. So, I'm just going to say his nephew. I was definitely say it has something to do with his nephew. Wow, 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 wow. But before that, we should hear the Jer Chasson. That's more important. Um, and today, of course, as you know, is Chai Elul. The 18th day of the month of El, a very special and auspicious day, and today, of course, and this week's parsha is Mirza Hashem Abolina Teva Pashki Savoy. And of course, for us Ashkenazim, they finally caught up to us. They finally caught us sleeping. They caught us with our hands down. To this Matzah Shabbos, Mirza Hashem, we'll begin Slichis, Selihot. So we'll discuss, of course, the Slichais factor. We'll, of course, discuss Yemiyat Hashem Chai El, discuss Pashat Kisavai. We'll discuss how many things can actually be said in one hour. <laughs> um, without the services, I can't guarantee. Baruch Atah, Dengnoi, Yalina, Malachayim, Beni, Minim, Zonis. Closely. Usually comes around the time of Rosh Hashanah. So technically, we would think a Pasha like this should be a beautiful Pasha. Instead, thank you very much. We've come to a parsha where the main crux of the parsha is known as the seichacha, the heipach lebracha, the opposite of mm-hmm. blessings. And this week, in one of the days of Hayyim Yim, I believe it was yesterday. The Yemim tells us the Yemim is a sefer where the free the Kedavah, the previous Bava Shadavah gives us daily instructions how to live our lives. Baruch HaTad, you know the Melchim Shachon, the very Chaim. Gives us daily instruction, direction when it comes to our daily life, very, very many beautiful thoughts, Torah thoughts, etc., quotes from the Rabbeim. What Ayyemim yesterday tells us that the middle Rebbe, the second Chabad Rebbe, was a young child. Excuse me. And the Balkore 
person reading from the Torah and the Shul read the Tokacha, read Pash Kisavai, and he read all the Tokacha, the opposite of the blessings. The Mitla Rebbe was so affected, says the, the, the Hayyam Yayim. He felt so ill that on Yom Kippur it was questionable if he'd be allowed to fast. Imagine how severely this young child took the curses of the Teichacha that it was questionable if he'd be allowed to fast on Yom Kippur. As we said, Kisava is always before Rosh Hashanah. So from before Rosh Hashanah till a week, ten days later, Yom Kippur, he was still so ill in bed. They asked him, you're a big boy. You've heard the Torah read so many times, so many years. Why now did it affect you so severely? And his response was, my father, the Alter Rebbe, the first Chabad Rebbe, was the Balkari in the shul. He read the Torah. And when he read the Torah, this week, he was not here. Somebody else read. But when he read it, even though the words translated to words of teichacha, to words of curses, when my father read it, you didn't hear the curses. And therefore, it never affected him until now. But now that he heard the curses, this affected him. No. Kisavai. Has that effect on some people? And yet we read it right before Rosh Hashanah. Why? What is the connection? It's brought down in Shekhanarach. Actually from the Takanas of Ezra. Several Takanas Ezra. If you want to find it and you want to keep track at home, keep score at home, You'll find them in Sechts Megillah, Lamed Aleph Amid Beis, 31 side 2. Tanya Reb Shimon Allah Zareim, Reb Shimon Allah said, Ezra Tikkain, Ezra established, how to disturb a shir. Tikkain Yisrael Shiyu, Kedim Kvalish, Shibetayda Kehan, Tehidus Kehanim, Kedim Atzeres. They should read in the Teda, the Kvalish of the Teda, Teres Kahanim, before Atzeres. Teres Kahanim, of course, we know is Vayikra. In Vayikra, we have the Teichacha in Bechu Kaisai, which is read before Shavuos, known as Atzeres. Ushiv Mishneh Teira, the Gemara says, and the Teichacha that's in Mishneh Teira, which is Chumash Devarim. Kedem Rosh Hashanah. 
She read before the Shachan. My time was the reason. Amar Abaye, says, we tame her Shlakish. Some say Shlakish said it. The year should finish off all the curses and anything that was not that was ill wished against the Jew in this year should be totally finished, completed, eradicated, wiped out, so that we start our new year the Teva of the Bracha. Keep there, he gets to my sugar, we're in trouble. <laughs> Ironically, the Parsha also begins on such a note. Not only does it finish off with the clothes, with the curses to get rid of all the curses of the year, The Pasha starts off talking about a mitzvah. A mitzvah known as Bikurim. The mitzvah Bikurim was not to be taken lightly. We took first fruits and he brought them to the holy temple so one would ask really a farmer all the trees and and farms and everything how do you know what are the first fruits listen and hear how dear it was to do a mitzvah it was so endeared to them to do this mitzvah, they had special ribbons prepared. And as soon as the fruit began to bud on the tree, they knew this would be the first fruits, they tied a ribbon around, a red ribbon. Because yellow ribbons are used for something else, right? When they're tied around oak trees. Oh my gosh, someone's blushing. I got his age. <laughs> He's singing the song. I can't believe it. Oh my gosh. Um, it was a red ribbon. They tied around the branches. And these are the branches that were taken ultimately when the trees blossomed. Those are the fruits that were taken. But of course you needed to wait till you had your whole stock finished. Everything had to be finished off. Very interestingly though, when the Bikurim were brought, one needed to say a confession. And they had to bring it to the Kohen. It was an entire process. It was a magnificent process to it. In this day, the Almighty commands you to do this is chapter 26, verse 16. Should he and you should do all your heart and all your soul. 
Rashi, who is only explaining the simple explanation of the Pasuk, <laughs> goes out on a limb, shall we say. Yes, I know, we just talked about the limbs of the trees. So it was almost a pun intended. Almost. I don't want to take credit for that much. Rashi comes out and he tells us an interesting thing. Which technically is not explaining the Pasuk. Baskel Mivarachte Havas Bikurim Hayyim Tishne Lishanabo. A Baskel, a heavenly voice. <laughs> he is so mean. Uh, I'm telling you, now we get all the sides we're getting today. Oh, the Chavit came this year. Um, <laughs> I don't even know how I know that, by the way. I couldn't tell you who the composer of the singers was, but I don't know how I know about this thing. It's an army thing, you know, isn't it? It's a person coming back from the army, from the war. Yeah. Ay vey, ay vey, these are horrific things that show how how these clippers, once you remember, once you hear them, they stick to your head much more severe than the Gemaras and the Maimarim. Ah, terrible. Anyway, back to the regular schedule program. Dashi tells us a baskel, a voice, a heavenly voice, declares and blesses the person that brings the Bikurim. And he says, and the Baskal says that now you will have from year to year. As you've done this year, you will do next year. Inshallah. I don't know if the Baskal says Inshallah or Mietz Hashem. And I imagine the Baskal is Ashkenazi. Take it easy, take it easy, we'll get there. Very, very uh, spiritual you're getting on me now. Anyway, there are 613 mitzvahs in the Theta. <laughs> we said we're going <coughs> to get the Chayel, take it easy. He's getting over anxious in, in Atlanta, you Georgia. Over there, that's yeah, you're saying the Chayel on Fresca? You don't have Fresca even this week, do you? Yeah, some kind of. See, we got this week. We got fresca because we're saying lechaim. Yes, yeah, oh, he yeah, has lemonade over there. Okay. Okay. How about Kato, we have to understand. Over there? <laughs> yeah, no, they don't have liquor in the uh, Let's go further south. The entire Tera, It talks about the rewards of kiyamimitzus. We learned last week. We discussed the reward for the shloach hakan. Long life, none of that will stick to my teeth, I'll never get out of here. It writes the Almighty guarantees certain things we spoke about. We find nowhere in the Tata that a heavenly voice will call out blessing a person for doing any particular mitzvah. We do find a story with a baskel, 
I don't remember if I elaborated on it. An interesting baskar that we hear about. When the Asarei Malchus, which are also brought down and discussed now, especially in the holy days, the high holidays which just took place, and times of awakening for tshuva, so what other, what more special item is there to talk about in the history of the Jewish nation than the ten martyrs? And we are told that Rabbi Akiva was one of the ten martyrs, and as they raked the skin off of him, he cries out as he's dying in his dying breath, Shema Yisrael. At which point, the angels cry out. The students cry out. Everybody cries out. Zud Teira, Zud Is this the reward of Teira? Is this what we get for studying Teira? Rabbi Akiva, who was so dedicated and devoted to the study of Teira, is this how his end, he meets his end? Very strange. Because the Almighty answers them. One more crack out of you, one more word, and I return the world to naught. Why? Are we not allowed to ask? It wasn't really a doubt they were throwing on Tata, but they were asking. Why are we all of a sudden not allowed to ask? And why the consequences that the world be returned to naught? But rather, Hashem is telling them, if you recall, before Torah was implemented into the world, there was no world. The world was created solely for the purpose of study of Torah and doing mitzvahs. So if you would like I believe I did tell this. I told about the taking apart the garment. I'll take apart the garment again and show you that this is what the world is all about. The essence of the world. The story of a client or something. Yeah. So that's another story with a baskel. But here the baskel is telling us about the greatness of the mitzvah Bikurim. No mitzvah is mentioned in such great pomp and circumstance, circum and pomp and stance. Pomp and circumstance. Pomp and circumstance, correct? Yes, thank you. So what's going on here? Perhaps, just perhaps we can explain this. The mitzvah Bikurim, we find that the main stress on this mitzvah is midah keneged midah. It's one attribute 
goes in apropos to the other. When a person brings the Bikurim, what does he say? He says, Since HaKadosh Baruch took us out of Egypt, and gave us the land, that flows with milk and honey, again, verses from our chapter, from our Pasha, Pasha, chapter 26, verse 10, verse 9, excuse me, Tess, and that's why he's bringing gracious period, the first of his fruits, and placing them before the Almighty. And then continuation with Shemarta, Vasisa, etc. <coughs> so he's stressing that the Almighty will repay in kind what he has done. Hashem will repay in kind. Why? Because you have said this. Almighty, you said to do this. I'm doing it. So I did what you said. Now do what I'm asking. <coughs> so it says the mitzvah is not only of Bikurim, of bringing Bikurim, because you're told to, but because we are Nisa, we are Marta, and causing Haramas kill to cry out. Therefore, the reward is midah connected midah. Not only Tishna the Shana but this in itself, the Almighty hears it and calls out with a baskel, like you're calling out with a voice, I'm calling out with my voice, says the Almighty. What is the whole gist of the conversation that comes forth here with this confession? The Pasha tells us when he brings the Bikurim, the confession that he makes. This is going from chapter 26, verse hey, verse 5 to 9. And he says, Arami Ayvit Avi, Lovin Arami, my father served. out <laughs> strong hand a great fear basis made some signs miracles <coughs> and he brought us to this place and gave us this land Rashi explains what is the mentioning the greatness of Arami Eved Avi that our father worked for, Arami, for love and Arami because we know that love and bikish lakar is Love and wanted to eradicate Judaism. Who did he attack? Jacob. He would attack Jacob you know, as he was going down to Mitzrayim. And many others that came after that. And with this, Yaakov goes down to Egypt. So it was the Yaakov that he attacks. They tell a story of a fellow in Turkey. Istanbul, Turkey. His name was Shlomo. 
And Shlomo was not a schlepper, really. They let him down for the Omid and Shul. He, he led the services off in the Shul. He was the Baltakir, Rosh Hashanah. He was a prestigious fellow. Well, when push came to shove, he didn't get a better seat in the bathhouse than anyone else did. When push came to shove, nobody stood up for him when he walked into the shul or to the house or to anywhere else. It was a little frustrating. He was a witty chevreman. He had a sharp tongue, told a good joke, sang a nice song. One day, actually sitting with a few Yidden, a few Arabs walking by, Muslims, and they heard Shlomo. They heard him singing, they heard him, his whole routine. And they thought it was cute. One of them walked over to me afterwards and said, how about we have a party? Would you like to come sing? And he said, why not? He sang and they paid him well. And went to this one, another party to a second, to a third, to a fourth. And he started becoming a very popular fellow. And the people were really into his music, into his humor, into his entertainment. And he was making nice money. And he was making nice COVID. He was getting nice honors from this. So what's what's money worth if you don't have the honor? And this is what he was looking for, really. The gist of it all was besides to become rich, to become a somebody, appreciated. Yeah. His Jewish brethren didn't appreciate him like this. Then the day comes, and he gets invited to the party of parties. The Sultan himself is making a party. And Shlomo's fame had spread so far and wide, he invited him to come entertained by the party. What better advertisement is he going to get for this? this everyone, everyone that's anyone is going to be there. Not nothing, gate. He goes and he entertains by the party, he gives it his 110%. The next morning, Early in the morning, the messenger from the Sultan is at the door with a letter and a bag of gold coins. Shlomo, I can't thank you enough. You did an amazing job. My guests were fascinated. Everybody was just totally, totally enthralled with your performance. And I am so, so excited and happy with what you did. I would like to hire you as my court entertainer. Whenever we have anything, you'll be the entertainer. The only thing is, you'll need to convert. I don't know this. I don't want to call back after 10. So, he will... Uh, Pay him richly, he'll treat him well and everything else. However, 
At this point in time, Shlomo is so excited, his adrenaline is flowing, his heart is pumping, he's, just, he's beyond himself. And, he said, it's okay? Yeah. I didn't ask you, it's okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. And, um, what is Shaila? number. So, the bottom line almost evaded him. But then he read it a second time where it said that the Muslims have to have somebody in their faith. They can't have somebody out of the faith amongst the royal court. So all I'm asking you is to convert, to become a Muslim. Now Shlomo at this time, point in his life was at a crossroad. He wasn't really uh, being Michal Shabbos, but he wasn't really behaving the way a nice Jewish boy should. Also, there's a opinion, an opinion from some people that hold that you can even go into a mosque and pray. The mosque's not really the Zara, it's not really this, it's not really that. And uh, when the Yetzirah gets working, he sells him a lot of bridges. And the money was very blinding. This is Marash. I have the COVID, I have the money, what more can I ask for? Next morning he shows up in the mosque, in the imam, wherever you have to go to convert to Muslimisms. And he says, sign me up. No. The Muslims are not as excited as the Christians. Christians definitely get much more excited when somebody comes to sign them up. But, everybody knew him. They said, why not? It's going to be fun. So they sign him up to the cause. Shalom. His name is now Salman. And um, he's ready. He's ready to be the entertainer and to be the court jester. Huh? Huh? No, he became a Muslim. Comes a day, and he's entertaining by the Sultan's party. And someone mentions that today is the second day of Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. Jewish New Year. <laughs> he says, Azay. I have in my bag of tricks, I have a shafer, a ram's horn. Mm-hmm. Come, I'll show you guys what the Jewish New Year sounds like in the Jewish synagogues. And he takes out the shafer, 
And he tells them there's three different types of blasts. There's the blast of the tkia, and he puts the shafer to his mouth, to his lips, and he blows a single long blast. And everybody's hysterical. That was really funny. Then, he says, there's another one. It's called the Shivarim, which is three short blasts. Three short blasts, and he takes the three short blasts, and he again blows the Shafer. And again, everybody is very tickled pink, and they're entertained, and it's very funny. Finally, he tells everybody, you think those two are funny? I'm going to show you what funny is. The teruah. The teruah needs to be at least nine short blasts. But you can sometimes do a lot more than that. Let me show you how that's done. This is the funniest of them all. And he takes the shaver to his mouth, to his lips, and he begins to try to blow a teruah, and he can't get it out. He can't even start. Yeah, see ever the Baltakeh gets stuck on a blast of any kind. And he tries again and again and it quetches and it oohs and it ahs. And you can hear the shafer saying, Stop it already, you're hurting me. Maybe blow from the other side, maybe it'll be better. And he's trying and try as he can. The truth is not coming out. People are laughing. They thought this is very funny. He can't get another blast out of that shafer. And he keeps trying. And the harder he tries, the more they laugh. So he decides, maybe I laugh with them, they won't see how bad this is. But eventually, he laughed with them, and they laughed a little harder, and they laughed a little harder, and they finally started screaming, Hey, enough, Yukul, you don't know how to blow it? Mind you, he was about to cave in the shul. It wasn't getting it through out. He couldn't get this through out. He couldn't get it out. He couldn't get it out. And finally people started mocking him and laughing at him. You Jew. You stupid Jew. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know how to do it. And they started throwing things at him. Food at him and everything. And he picked himself up and he escaped with his life. And he continued running until he returned to the Jewish quarters. And it's the latest, latter part of the second day of Rosh Hashanah as we said. He snuck into the shul. Nobody should see him. He put a talus over his head. Sat in a corner. And right before the end of davening, he left. Nobody should notice him again. No. After Rosh Hashanah, he saw that his case is pretty much lost. He can't go back to the sultan. But what is, he, what is he now really? What's his status now? He went to one of the Chachamim in Istanbul. He came to the Chacham. And the Chacham said, and he asked the Chacham, I blew the Kia. 
No problem. I do the shvarim with no problem. Came to true, I could not blow it. And the Chacham started asking him different questions, and finally the Chacham told him, I'll tell you what happened. Tkiya Shvarim and Trua are Kineged Shalish Oves. They are in sync with our forefathers. The Tkiya is the blast of Avramovino, as we know that he took the horn of the, of the ram that was caught, and that's how he shechted him, therefore the union of the Tkiya, the blast. The Shvarim is that of Yitzhak Avinu, who was so broken. He was an Eila, Tamid, he never left Eretz Yisrael, and he was so entrenched in all that he did. And the Shvar and the Trua, it represents Yaakov Avinu. However, Avram Avinu had a flaw. Yes, he was the father of Yitzchak, and yes, he was the first Jew, but he also had Yishmael. Yitzchak, in turn, was the father of Jacob, of Yaakov, but he also had an Esav. So, although you were using the Shefer, on Rosh Hashanah, blowing blasts, that represented Avram and Yitzchok, the Shefer allowed it because of the flaw of Yishmoel and Esav. Yaakov was a Bechir Shabbos. Yaakov had Mitoso Yishalema. Yaakov was the choice for the forefathers. He had a full pride of children that were Jewish pride, they were happy, and they were grown, and they did the way they had to be, and behaved the way they had to behave. His blasted terua you could not put, you could not taint. And that's why you could not, you could not blow it. So this is how he got stuck. And this is how ultimately he was brought back to do tshuva, because of the kayak of Yaakov Avinu. No. So, honestly, let's go into it quickly. Rashi says, he mentions the Chesday of, of the Ebishter, the Chasodim the Almighty did to us, with Arami Evidavi that the Lovin wanted to destroy us by chasing Yaakov Avinu. And then afterwards they went down to Mitzrayim and how they escaped from Mitzrayim. Truthfully, Arami Evidavi has nothing to do with Bikurim. Bringing Bikurim has nothing to do with the fact that Elohim Arami tried to kill Yaakov. But since when we bring the Bikurim, we're trying to show Chazde Hashem, thank you Almighty for what you did for us, you gave us the fruits. Therefore, we try to bring that other Chasod the Almighty did. From the days of the past, of yore, the Almighty saved our forefathers. who wanted to destroy them entirely. And the Ram also explains this, that the Almighty, all the Chasodim of the Almighty are mentioned, and has nothing to really do with the actual concept here, but just the fact that he's mentioning the great things that the Almighty did for us. And the Sinister Chacham also an expl- ex- a commentary on Rashi, 
says that since they mentioned the Chasadim of the Almighty, they gave us the land of the Holy Land, also mentions other Chasadim that happened to our forefathers. It sounds so natural. It sounds like, yeah, it makes sense. But let's get real. If you're talking about the Chazdei Amokim, the greatness, the kindnesses that the Almighty performed for the Jews, <laughs> that's all you could find? That He saved us from Lavan and saved us from Egypt? That's it? Pretty good. What about the other little miracles the Almighty performed before taking us into the Holy Land? Splitting of the Red Sea, the Melchama with Amalek, and on a daily basis, the Mon, the Be'er Miriam, the clouds. Forty years, they didn't have to bring Bikurim. Until now. What's with all those other things that the Almighty did and bestowed for the Jews? So those that learn this Rashi, saying that the intention is really to bring about, to talk about the miracle that we were saved and left Egypt. And the fact that he adds love and Arami is not a concept on its own. It's a prep, it's a introduction to the miracle of Egypt. Because they didn't get out of Egypt unless they got into Egypt. How did they get into Egypt? Because Lavan and Rami chased them. But Rashi mentions Chasdei Hamokrim. The kindness, the Chasadim, plural, that the Almighty did for the Jews. So if that's the case, he says no, that this is not Lavan and Rami's story is an introduction to Mitzrayim. And the main thing is Mitzrayim. Because that would make it only one Chesed. By saying Chazdei Amokim and mentioning two concepts, obviously they are two separate concepts. It's in plural. <clears throat> and then Rashi goes on to finish, There were others that came to destroy us. So therefore, Lovan was one Chesed, one kindness, and a miracle on its own, the fact that we were saved from Egypt. Yeah. So the simple way to say simply that the saving of the hand of Lovon and from God's Mitzrayim, these were miracles that we were saved, that we brought the salvation from literally being exterminated. Bo'alina l'chal yaseinu. They came to totally destroy us. Lovin wanted Yaakov, his children, everything wiped out. The Mitzrayim wanted a, to- a total annihilation of the Jews. Rashi, unfortunately, was written before 1939, where the nation, the sophisticated nation, said they wanted to make the world Judenrein. So Rashi didn't bring that story down also. Private miracles that happened that were chasodim of the Ebishter, Kriyas of the Mon, the Be'er, 
all these things, these are miracles that happened, yes, they weren't salvations from saving us from being destroyed. The destruction that was being put upon us by the Egyptians and that was by Lavan, those were true chasadim. The fact that we didn't die of hunger and we didn't die of thirst in the, in the desert and that we didn't get killed out by the Egyptians again by the Yamsuf, it was a miracle in its own, but they all belong to the same concept. Now, we could leave it at that point and go on to other things because it's the time restraints. But the actual Sikha in itself never discusses many, many different points to this. With this Matzah Shabbos, we're going to start Slichis. We are going to start, as I said, the Ashkenazi brethren are going to catch up with the Sephardim. And we're going to take care of it in eight days, or they took a whole month. Um, that was disgusting. Yeah, it was not nice. <laughs> Let's get real. We're going to flip a coin here and tell God, okay, I'm, I'm nice today, leave me alone. What's buying us time here, really? I'd like to bring you to the courtroom. Of a famous sage, famous Rebbe, known as the lawyer of the Jewish nation, Rebbe Yitzchak Mbedichev. The litigants, young fellow Avram, and an older, more well-groomed fellow of Shmuel. Avram got married and sat on Teda Valaveda. Sat and learned Teda all day and night. Who and what supported his family he was oblivious to? If there was bread and water at night to sit down to eat, it was fine. Otherwise, he just kept learning. The Almighty blessed him, though, with a family of children. And he sat for years and years studying until he figured out that the children are time to get married. Now, for those of you that merited to make weddings, those of you who didn't yet, I'd like to tell you, they're expensive. Need a lot, a lot, a lot of money for weddings. We also need a lot of money for holidays. That's almost a Rosh Hashanah appeal. Um, <laughs> he said, let me go out and see what the world of business is all about. And he figured out that he has a little bit of a talent in something. He could be a matchmaker. Not for marriages, unfortunately. That would be nice today for the Shiva crisis. But rather, in business. He found Ruvain had merchandise over stock 
Shimon was looking for this merchandise, and he matched them together. And he made a little commission in between. And the little commissions were adding up. And the little commissions made him a little bit. He started finding Parnassah. And <laughs> oddly enough, leave this before Shabbos. Oddly enough, he um, was walking one day by the shores, and he saw a must have been a boatload full of merchandise. They're now translated into a bunch of wagons. Mendy. Translated to a boatload of, of wagons. And this whole slew of wagons, he noticed, had been sitting in the dock for quite a while. For at least a week. And this is a tremendous amount of merchandise here. But he also knew that there was a fellow that was always open to buying this type of merchandise. His problem was, he was still what you call in America a small fry. And as a small fry, he couldn't get involved in this big, big deal. So he went to the, one of the big wheelers and dealers, to Reb Avram, to Reb Shmuel, and he told Reb Shmuel, listen here, I know that this and this guy has a tremendous amount of merchandise in the docks, for a long time, he's probably going to sell it for dirt cheap. He can make a good mitzvah. <coughs> and I know that this guy is looking for something, a big, a big turnover now. And uh, Shmuel turns to him and puts his hand on his shoulder and says, Listen, Avram Aleh, what are you dealing with this? This is big league stuff here, if anything. This is not your league. It's not even something that makes any sense, really. Don't trouble and don't bother and don't... Well, this guy had a good swift tongue. He could sell you ice in the winter. So, even though Avramel was a little bit in the business, he, he got bought in, he got in suckered in hit the hook line and sinker and he walked away only to find out two days later that this Shmuel pulled off this deal and made a hefty amount which Avram felt he was entitled to at least half <coughs> Avram came to Shmuel and he says to him Ravid I told you about this deal you mechutzif you go and you pull it off and you say that I didn't do with it and you just ignore me he says, what are you talking about? You said nothing about this. I never heard you, never met you before. And he was total denial. So he took him to, to, to one rub, another rub. And all the Rabbanim said, yes, you got to pay this guy. And he said to the Rabbanim, you know what? I don't have to listen to you. Because you don't know anything about business. You don't know anything about business. That's why you tell him you have to pay him. Because your books might say something like that. But really, honestly, in the business world, I don't owe him anything. 
Anyway, he was very disheartened, Avram. Because all the Rabbanim were passing in his favor, but this guy was refusing to listen. Finally, he got the Blev Yitzchak Badichev to summons this fellow to Bezdin. And after the case was presented to Blev Yitzchak Badichev, and the guy said that he's refusing to pay after all the Rabbanim said so because he said that his guys, the Rabbanim, have no idea about business. He said and Yitzchak said I see your point. However, I want to tell you, I know better business than you do. I do better business than you do. And now the guy is yawning in front of the Yitzchak, mocking him, you know business better than me. So I'll tell you a story. The other day I was walking around in Yanadin. But Yitzchak says, and I saw wagons and wagons and wagons of sins. And I asked, what are this? This is wagons of sins. I said, I know the Almighty likes a good bargain. And I know that I can swing a bargain with him. So I came before the Almighty and I said, if I get all these people to do tshuva, to repent for all these sins, how will that sit with you? The Almighty said, that will you sit me very well. What can I get for them? What would you like? I'd like them to have happiness, children, parnosa. I'll get them to repent. You'll be happy with their tshuva. I want you to give them back for this. Okay. The Almighty said, fine. So I came back down. I got all the people from Baditchev. I worked very hard on them. They all did tshuva. Full-fledged tshuva. They repented. So I came back to the Almighty, I said, no, and he said, okay, you got your part of the bargain, you did your deal, and I and the Almighty blessed all the litigants, all the people, with good happiness and health and life and children and pranasa. Then the Almighty said, no, what about you? She says, honestly, the Yidin I'm not going to take commission from. But from you, Almighty, I want the commission. What's your commission? I want you to give me the power to bless people with health, to bless people with wealth, to bless people with children. The Almighty said, fine, you got it. So says the Badichiva to this litigant, I want to tell you that this was the Almighty's part, and he told me I have that power to make sure a person is healthy, or God forbid not. The guy says, are you finished? But he says, oh, no, 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 I'm not finished. I want to tell you that, yes, you are obligated to pay him. And he says, okay, I heard you, goodbye. And he starts to walk out, and he says, leave me alone. But as soon as he got out the door of Washington's office, he started feeling weak. But in his office, thank you, he started feeling weak. And as he got home, as the closer he got home, the more it digressed, the worse it got. He got home, he was not able to talk barely. And he was collapsing. And the family said, what's wrong, what do we do? And he started, all he can get out was, Be'e the Rebbe. 
gave the money to them, and he, they went, they grabbed all the money from his kasevet, from his safe, and they ran to the Baditshiva, and they gave him all the money that he had deserved, and he was healed. Chayel is the birthday of the two great luminaries, the Bishol Baal Shem Tov and the Alter Rebbe. It was on the day of the Alter Rebbe's birth that the Baal Shem Tov revealed himself to the world. Up until that time, for 36 years, the Baal Shem Tov was a hidden tzaddik. He did many miracles and many things for many Jews, but in a hidden fashion. Nobody knew that he was really a tzaddik. And he suffered many a time for it. There was even a time where he came to an inn, famous story, where he came to an inn, him and his wife, and the customer of the innkeeper, because he didn't want to ask for the ksuba, was if the couple did not have any children, he didn't know if they were surely married, he would have them sleep separately. Which is very embarrassing, really. And the Mashemta had no children at the time, and therefore was put to sleep separately from his wife. And the whole story, how it evolves, he saw fire in the Mashemta's room, the Mashanta was studying with the Chiyah Shalini. Anyway, that was the Tzadik Nista that the Mashanta had put, been through until the day of the Alter Rebbe's birth. The Alter Rebbe referred to the Mashanta as his spiritual Zayda, as his grandfather, because of Adichave. the Mashanta student, Mazich Magid, was that in turn the teacher of the, of the Alter Rebbe. And therefore the Alter Rebbe referred to his teacher as his father, his spiritual father. And therefore, since he was his spiritual father, and his spiritual father was the Baal Shem Tov, therefore he referred to the Baal Shem Tov as his spiritual Zayde. And many different stories of how the Baal Shem Tov and the Alter Rebbe didn't meet. And therefore, although on a yard site we say, on a birthday we say, Mazoli gave it. The muzzle of the person shines, it rains, it is higher at this point, it rules. And since the muzzle of the Bashemtiv and the muzzle of the Altareba shine on this date of Chayel, as we come now to the end of Chayel, even in California and almost in Hawaii. Therefore, we turn to the Bashemtiv, we turn to the Altareba. And we say, both of you had the tremendous yearning of Avas Yisrael, had this tremendous devotion, which we see in the Pasha of Pasha Bikurim, how the sharing of a Jew, one Jew with another, and this was the exact actions, the exact behavior of the Baal Shem Tov and the Alter Rebbe. Therefore, we are sure that you, the Alter Rebbe, you, the Baal Shem Tov, are looking at this generation and saying, Oy Nebuch! Oy, how terrible this generation is suffering! And you are suffering with us! And there's one solution to this suffering, it is to get us out of this Golos. And therefore, on this Shabbos we should hear, the Al-Tadebbe should be our Balkeda, and therefore when he reads the Teichacha, we'll only hear Brachas, and the Brachas should be, in a, a 98% fold of the, we have 98 clothes, that's how many, that's how many fold, that's to that power, should be the brachis, and we should all be in Yerushalayim, Mirakadesh, Shabbat, Shalom to all.